You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Good morning. If you are all able, will you please rise for the reading of the word? Which comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer, outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. The word of the Lord. Maybe see seated. So, good morning everyone, and welcome to First Christian. Whether you are here with us in the sanctuary, joining us online, we are just happy that you are here, glad that you are here, and just thankful to be in the presence of the Lord. Now, if I'm being really honest with you, there are plenty of times in my life that I can look at and think that I was just wasting away, that time was just wasting away, that I was just wasting away. Um, and a lot of times where these there seems to be kind of a pileup of these momentary afflictions that Paul was talking about and just kind of shake my head, shrug my shoulders and say, what's the point? Why is this happening? What's the point? And even now, as I look around, obviously not looking around at all your lovely faces, but I look around at things going on in the world and it seems overwhelming at times. It makes me shake my head. Some of these things make me sad. They make me angry, make me frustrated, and they make me ask this question of, what's the point? Why is this happening? And what can I do? What's the point of trying? What's the point of doing any of the things? Which is what Paul is speaking to here. Because I know that Paul understood this struggle as well, and all of the different things that he experienced and went through while he was preaching the gospel. I know the people of Corinth understood this as well, as they had kind of gotten off on the wrong path um, and kind of needed a call back to, to the ways of God that Paul was encouraging them towards. But Paul issues a challenge here. It's a challenge, it's a command, but it's also an encouragement to not lose heart. We do not lose heart because we are not just focused on the things immediately in front of us. We are not just focused on the things that can be seen right now, but we are focused on the eternal power and glory of God. We are focused on the ways of God. We are focused on the, God, on the plans that God has for us. And that is good news. But sometimes that's a lot easier said than done, Right? Because at first glance, hearing some of these things, it says, oh, you know, okay, cool. I just get to ignore everything else going on around me and, you know, just kind of hope for the best, right? I just get to put my hope on God. Everything else just kind of gets thrown by the wayside. Which, yes, we want our focus to be on God. But no, we don't want to just ignore everything that's going on around us. Because the example that we look to is Jesus. And as we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, is Jesus was always right in the middle of the action. Not in a way that drew attention to himself of, oh, look at me, look what's going on. But Jesus sat and talked with people. Jesus sat and ate with people. 
Jesus called people to repentance. Jesus pointed people toward the ways of God. Despite all of the chaos and destruction and just weird things going on around them. Jesus experienced death. Death of loved ones, death of people around him. Jesus experienced sickness. Jesus sat and ate and talked with people who were physically sick, had all sorts of impairments, um, and people who were spiritually sick, who were doing all of the wrong things and playing it off as, oh, I'm following God, as Jesus called those people to sit and talk and eat with him as well. Um, Jesus experienced anger, sadness, Jesus experienced corruption firsthand and called those people toward a better way. Jesus experienced anger. Jesus um, experienced pain, betrayal. Jesus was arrested and nailed to a cross. That's a lot of things to experience. And those experiences were just in a short couple year span. Those are a lot of things to go through in a short couple year span. But Jesus experienced these things. Jesus was right in the middle of these things in the middle of what was good. He wasn't secluded. He didn't stand off in the corner and kind of point fingers and yell out, say, hey, you know, quit doing that. Jesus interjected himself in the middle of everything that was going on, called people to repentance, and pointed people towards God in the ways of God. In the midst of all of the things that were going on in the Roman Empire during that time. All the things that were going on with the Jewish leaders and some of their corruption and lost ways, and the larger Roman Empire, and their lost ways as well. Jesus was right in the middle of all of it. And that is the example that we follow. That is the example that we look to. And the thing is, is Jesus, Jesus did not become cynical. Jesus did not become bitter or desensitized or numb to the things that he saw. Jesus did not become apathetic due to these experiences. Jesus continued to point people towards God. Jesus continued to engage with people in a way that showed them love and pointed them towards the ways of God. And that is the example that we follow. And now some of you might be saying and thinking, you know, oh, but that was Jesus, right? How am I supposed to follow that? That was Jesus. And that's a fair point. But now we get to do a fun little reflective, introspective experience because I really want you to think about some of the things that you have overcome in your life some of the obstacles that you have faced, some of the adversity that you have faced. I want you to think about that for, you know, 10, 15 seconds. That might not be enough time to encompass all of it, but just think a little bit and reflect on the things that you have overcome. Because I think of some of the things that we have overcome, even just in the past two years. I think of all our healthcare workers, all of our teachers, all of our parents, grandparents, teenage students, elementary students, younger kids, and all of the changes and adaptations, all the frustration, confusion that has gone on just over the past couple years. Right, that's a short sample size. There's a lot more of things that we can think of, but I think of just those things in the past couple years and how we have overcome those things as a community, how we have dealt with those things and still clung to our faith and our trust in God which is good news. Because sometimes it's easy to say, oh, but that, that was Jesus. Jesus experienced all those things, but he you know, was able to overcome because Jesus. But we can also do difficult things. We can experience difficult things and not let them bring us down. We can experience sometimes a lot of these momentary afflictions, 
but not let them bring us down because we are so focused on the eternal power and glory of God, on the ways of God and the bigger picture that God has to offer. That we can do difficult things, we can overcome difficult things and obstacles. So the next part of this, so we, you know, a little bit of reflection on difficult things. Now, I want you to think about something you're excited about. Think about, especially, you know, it's summertime, it's, which might not mean as much for some of you. For some of you, it might just mean, you know, oh, it gets hotter outside. Um, this is always one of my favorite times of year. Um, get to spend more time with students. We get to go to camps and travel and do all this stuff. And maybe you guys have family plans, vacations, things you're excited about during the summertime. Um, and just think about that excitement. Think about what you're excited about, things you're looking forward to. Maybe it's a vacation or something you have planned or just, you know, looking forward to what's next. Is that excitement and joy that you feel is proof of the resilience that Paul is talking about here. Is that we can think about the tough and the difficult things, but then move forward to what we're excited about. Look forward to the opportunities that we have presented before us and that what we're excited about. And that is good news. That is what, at the core of Paul's message to the Corinthians, is what this is all about. Is this resilience to overcome difficult things, but look forward to the things that bring us joy, that make us excited, and that just the opportunities that God is continuing to place in front of us. Not just looking at what has happened in the past, but what is ahead of us, and the glory of God that's going to continue to be revealed in the future. Which is good news. So, I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. Um, as a youth minister, I kind of get to cheat a little bit, when I preach, um, because for the past several weeks uh, on Sunday nights, the youth group, we've been talking about resilience. We've talked about this for several weeks and talked about these times where we kind of just throw our arms up and ask God, why? Why did this happen? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to the people around me? We've been talking about this um, and have had some really good conversations about this. We have talked about this passage in 2 Corinthians, talked about some of Paul's other passages, passages um, where Jesus spoke to people uh, that exemplify this idea of resilience and how it relates to our trust in God. So I get to cheat a little bit when it comes to preaching. Um, but from those conversations that I've had with teenage students, listening to them, listening to their experience, and just listening to the maturity in which they speak about these things, that they talk about difficult things that they've gone through, at which I can't imagine. I wasn't in high school that long ago. It seems like longer and longer ago. But I can't imagine going through what these high schoolers experience, high schoolers and middle schoolers experience now compared to what I experienced in high school. It seems like nothing. Like what they go through now, it just seems, it blows my mind because I don't know how I would have handled it at that age. But in these conversations with these students, the things that they talked about and the ways in which they looked back on things, on tough times, on obstacles, and then pointed towards God and said, you know, during the time, during this time, this really sucked. I, you know, didn't know what I was going to do. This was awful. But now, looking back, they can say, oh yeah, I can see how God used this to grow me, to grow in my relationship with Christ, to grow in my community of people, to learn to trust people, to be vulnerable, and learn these things. Listening to these stories has been absolutely incredible. The maturity and just the wisdom and depth in which these teenage students talk about their trust in God and their faith in God and using these, you know, just crummy experiences to point towards how they've grown is incredible, honestly. 
um, and has been a blessing to me and the other adults, adult sponsors in the youth group has just been awesome to hear. Um, and so I'm going to tell you a story. I'm not going to share any stories of the teenagers, but I'm going to share a story um, that I kind of, part of it I experienced. I kind of watched the story unfold live that I think is kind of exemplifying this idea of resilience. I watched it unfold live and then learn more information about it as the week went on. Um, so I'm going to preface this with a, with a couple things. Um, I, I absolutely love baseball. I played baseball from the time I was, you know, little, little, three years old, um, all the way through college. I've always watched baseball, too. Um, I'm actually a really big uh, New York Yankees fan, and so I'm going to pause with that really quick, because some of you in here, I might have one or two strikes on me, which is funny because baseball, um, because some of you are like baseball, you know, baseball's boring, baseball, you know, pointless, they just kind of stand around throw a ball, like I get that, um, and the other strike might be, you know, that I'm a Yankees fan, and I get a lot of flack for that and have for my life, but just bear with me, please, because this overall message is not specifically about the sport of baseball um, or about the Yankees as much in general, but just bear with me. Um, with this story I'm going to tell. So like I said, I'm a big New York Yankees fan. I like watching baseball. I really do. I think it's interesting and intriguing. And so uh, the Yankees, I was watching their game on Tuesday night. The Yankees have a, a new catcher on their team this year. His name's Jose Trevino. Um, new catcher. And he's kind of, you know, he's an average player. He's actually the Yankees' backup catcher, uh, but he gets to start, he gets to play every once in a while. He's not the regular guy. He gets to play every once in a while when their other catcher needs a break. Um, he's new to the team this year. Uh, and so I watched a game on Tuesday night that he started. Tuesday night, and it's nice because I watched the Yankees play on the East Coast time, and so I get to, you know, tune in the game around five or six, which is really cool um, when it's like seven, eight in New York. Anyways, so Jose Trevino started the game on Tuesday night for the Yankees. And in that game, his stat line is he hit a home run, which is like one of the coolest things you can do in baseball. And then a couple innings later, he had a game-tying single in the seventh inning. So getting later on in the game, he had a game-tying single and was really pumped up. Um, and then the game actually went to extra innings. Yankees were the home team. Um, and Jose Trevino came up to bat with the winning run on second base in the bottom of the 11th inning. And I was watching the at-bat, and he hits a pitch out into the left field corner. As soon as they hit the grass, game was over. The winning run scored. And this stadium in New York of 33,000 people who had stayed up late, right? It was an intense game. It was an exciting game. 33,000 people in New York were just went nuts. And I was, too, like fist-pumping in my chair, like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, but all of these people just went nuts when he hit it, because as soon as he did, the game was over. The Yankees won. Home team goes happy. You know, 33,000 people. The Yankees players, I think there were probably 40 or 50 people in the whole stadium that went home unhappy as part of the other organization. The other team wasn't as happy about this. But all of these people went nuts, right? And as soon as Jose hit it, and he, he took off running to first base, and he's running, and he rounds first base, and he's, he sticks his arms out, and he's running with his head down, and he rounds first base and knows the game is over. And as he's out there on the field still running, he just kind of looks up and points to the sky while he waits for his teammates to come and, you know, overwhelm him and celebrate, dump water and Gatorade and throw sunflowers. It's just this big dog pile, just super exciting, really cool, joyful celebration moment, right? This raw emotion of excitement and joy and just, you know, kind of peak happiness. And so as is a custom in games like this, 
they have a reporter down in the dugout who goes right out onto the field because they want they want to hear from the players in these moments of raw you know raw joy and celebration and everything and so they set up the camera and they get the reporter and they kind of they hand the microphone you know right in front of Jose and they ask me Jose how do you feel right now and the first words out of his mouth was that his prayers and his heart was with the people in the community of Texas that was affected this past week. First thing out of his mouth, in this moment of raw emotion and joy, because Jose is actually from Texas. He was born and raised in Texas. He even played for the Texas Rangers for a few years before he went to the Yankees. This is his first season with the Yankees. Born and raised in Texas. And he said that's all he's thought about all day long was hearing about this tragedy, that his thoughts, his prayers, and his heart went out to the community affected this past Tuesday. And it was this harsh snap back to reality of what is this, this joyous event and this raw emotion, experiencing this in, in the grand scheme of things, is just a sporting event. It's just for entertainment. It's what he does for a living, but it's a job. He gets paid to do this. He gets to play a kid's game. Um, but in this excitement, that was the first thing out of his mouth, was that his prayers and his heart were with these people, affected by such a devastating tragedy. Which, and he was, he was in the middle of his interview just crying on, you know, as he was, he was born and raised in Texas. And the next thing that he, had, that he said is that he could not be here today. He could not have done the things that he did in this game without the support and encouragement from his teammates who cared about him, who had prayed with him, who had talked with him, They'd all, that they're a tight-knit group. They're a close, tight-knit community of people. This team that, that, this team that travels all over the country together, they spend hours and hours and days and weeks and months together during the season. He said he could not have done any of this and could not imagine a better community to be with during this time, which really stood out to me. And so, like I said, I learned even more information throughout the week. Is it actually turns out that May 24th, this Tuesday that this happened, was actually Jose's dad's birthday. Jose's dad passed away in 2013, unexpectedly. So in the midst of all of this turmoil, all of this raw emotion, that Jose went out and was able to be, you know, this, this hero of the baseball game on Tuesday night, which, like I said, in the grand scheme of things, is really, really small picture compared with a lot of things going on in the world but was able to go out to do his job, to send all of these people, you know, give, some, give them something to cheer about, to be excited about, but also to draw attention to the real issues and real things going on in the world. Which to me was kind of really exemplified this idea of resilience. This idea of being able to have all of these, these swirling emotions, even before that, you know, his dad's birthday, which is an emotional day, hearing about this tragedy in, in his home state, um, and then having to go out and say, okay, you still need to go out and do your job and do, you know, what you're supposed to do on a, on a nightly and weekly basis, is to go out and play baseball and bring entertainment and joy to the people who pay money to come out and watch these games which really exemplified this idea 
of resilience. To be able to do difficult things in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of lament, in the midst of grief, to be able to still continue moving forward. Because that's what Paul's passage is calling us to do. It can be easy to just kind of be stunned and be stagnant when we, go, when we experience difficult things, when we experience obstacles and adversity. It can be easy to just kind of be, you know, grow numb, desensitized, to just be stagnant and not really know what to do. And there are times to grieve. There are times to stop and lament and grieve and just look to God and pray to God for the things we're doing. And Jesus did that. Jesus spent time in long times of prayer preparing for the action that he was about to take, for the people that he was about to be with, for the things that he was about to do. Jesus spent long times of prayer preparing for this. But after those times were over, after that prayer was over, he stepped into the midst of all the chaos that was going on around him. And that is the example that we follow, is we step into the chaos, we step into the midst of this and point people towards God. Is that our actions, our words, continually point people towards Christ, even in the midst of chaos and destruction and crises and all of these different things. We step into that and point towards Christ. Because that's our only hope in the middle of those things. The good news is that we don't shoulder that burden ourselves. We point to Christ to shoulder it and to carry it and all that... God does is ask us to trust and walk alongside in the middle of those experiences, which is good news. We have that hope in Christ that we can stand in the midst of chaos, in the midst of adversity, and be okay because we know that we have Christ. We know who we are following. We know what our focus is set on. We know the path that we are walking on. And we can walk through a lot of different things that surround us, that might be hazardous to us, that might be dangerous. And we can still have hope that Christ is going to see us through. That the eternal power of Christ is going to see us through. Which personally gives me a lot of hope. It gives me a lot of hope. It's also a challenge to be able to take those steps forward, even in the midst of crises and chaos, to be able to walk alongside, alongside Christ during those times. Because that's who we follow. We have the power to be able to do that. We've been transformed by Christ in order to do those difficult things, in order to follow in those footsteps and have that hope and that trust and that faith in God to step into those situations, to step in the midst of people, groups, and point towards Christ. Because there are times where it feels like everything is just crashing down around us. That it feels like there's a lot more destruction than there is construction when it comes to the kingdom of God. There are times where it feels like that. But Paul here calls us to look outside that little bubble, look outside just what's immediately around us to the eternal power of God, the eternal glory of God, not just the momentary afflictions, but to the eternal. 
and even during the times where we may feel like we're wasting away, the promise is that we are not. We are being renewed day by day by the transformative power of Christ. It's what we are called to do and called to follow. And I find a lot of hope in that. And I hope that you do too. I hope that we can take that as a community, as we, as we leave these doors. Because like I said, like a story I told with Jose, is this community is important to be able to focus on, the, focus on the bigger pictures, focus on being with each other, encouraging each other, helping each other through these things, supporting each other through the times of, of crises, of adversity, of obstacles, to take that support and then move forward as we go out into our lives, our workplaces, our schools, our families, and to bring the good news of Christ into those spaces, despite what might be going on in them. There's hope that God is going to continue to walk with us into those places and through those obstacles. And there's a lot of hope in that. So I hope that we continue to show resilience in the face of adversity, continue to find our hope in who we know God is. That's my prayer for us as we leave this building and go into those spaces. Will you pray with me? God, we are thankful for this time together. We are so thankful for this community to exist as the body of Christ, God, to offer each other support and hope and help and love and encouragement. And God, we pray that you just continue to encourage us, continue to renew us day by day as we continue to follow you to be like you, to look to your ways, not be affected by the afflictions that might drag us down, might feel like they're dragging us down, God, but to fix our eyes on you and your ways. We pray for that, for that courage, for that resilience, for that trust, that your, may, your light may continue to project from us in all the places that we go and people that we encounter. Thankful for this time together, and ultimately we're thankful for your son. It's in his holy name we pray all these things. Amen.